30 service. Who's glad to be here today? You're in a good place this morning to position yourself to hear from God. Who's ready for that? Great to see you here as well. I just want to welcome those who are watching on the podcast. Great to have you with us. And also if you're uh, watching online as well, that's fantastic. So welcome one and all. And I'm actually looking forward to Tumby Bay tonight. I think we're going to have a great time. 4 p.m. Tumby Bay. It's going to be good. just want to also say who enjoyed last Sunday with Dave and Jenny Gilpin. That was incredible. I just could not believe uh, I was having so much fun in church. Uh, I was jumping out of my skin, loving it, loving every minute of it. But uh, we're so blessed to have the opportunity to have people like that come and minister with us. <clears throat> I want to start with a story today, an uh, uh, illustration from my own life. Today is, oh, you can go, thank you. I just got the cue. See you guys. Thanks. Let's give them a hand. Now, I've completely lost my train of thought. Today is uh, uh, session number five of our series in the waiting, and five and final. So who's glad about that? Uh, But I I want to encourage you. I I know it's a series that can really help you and uh, ground you and change your perspective and help you on the journey of being successful as a Christian. So um, go back over the podcast, have a listen to the whole series from uh, number one through to five, and they'll all sort of come together and give you a, a good understanding of the seasons of life that we go through as believers and it will really, really help you. I believe it will. So today, I want to begin with a, with a story from my own life, <clears throat> before I got interrupted releasing the, the musicians there. Um, about, uh, it was 1981, during a recession, and I was 16 years old, still in school, and I was looking for a job. And everyone was saying, well, there are no jobs. You can't get a job. You, know, uh, you won't get an apprenticeship because there, there are none. And uh, the, the, no one's employing it in, in these days. There's a recession going on. And uh, uh, yeah, there's great negativity all, all around that kind of element. So it wasn't just me, but you know, a whole uh, group in my, my year at school were all feeling that sense of, well, we've got no future because it's a recession and things are so bad. But... Um, I was, I, I had a few interviews though in, in this period of time and I, I failed every interview. I mean, I'm only 16. I don't even know what to say in an interview. I don't know how to conduct myself. I don't know how to present myself. And, and, and so I'd go to these interviews and think, well, I think I did pretty good. But then, you know, you don't hear anything. There's that silence. And, and, and you kind of work, uh, after a few weeks, you realise, hey, I, I don't think they're going to call me. I think I've lost it. So this particular time came and, and I had an opportunity to have an interview at the Industrial Training Commission of Victoria because there was a particular company that was employing young people and they could never complete the apprenticeship there because you know there was some things I guess some cultural things wrong in that business and and so they were so demanding of their apprentices that no one ever finished their term and so the Industrial Training Commission said look we're gonna we're gonna interview the candidates so that we can present to you the right kind of person who, um, so, so if there's a problem with that person, we know it's the company and not the apprentice. So I'm, I, I, I'm booked in to go to this interview and uh, I'm nervous because I'd heard about the, the, this business that was pretty hard on apprentices, but I'm thinking, I've got to take anything because if I don't take that, there is nothing else. There's, there's a recession. Everyone say recession. There's a recession going on. <laughs> We're going to starve. So 
the day, the morning of, of that interview, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm nervous from the moment I, I know of it till, till that day. I'm nervous, I'm, I'm worried. And I get a phone call that morning and they say, oh, look, the, the person who's conducting your interview is not available today, so we're going to have to postpone, we're going to have to delay your interview. So they, so they say, um, is two weeks okay? And I'm like, oh, okay. So, so they put it off for two weeks before I could have the interview. And, and I'm thinking at that time, it was the, the longest two weeks of waiting in my life. And, and because of that delay, I, I start having all these negative thoughts going through my mind. Well, well maybe it wasn't meant to be. Uh, may, maybe uh, I, I should just ditch the whole idea and, and, and just not worry about it. Uh, you know, and, and so doubts and fears and, and, and all these uh, uh, negative thoughts are going through my mind, trying to talk myself out of this opportunity. Anyway, two weeks go and, and uh, fast forward. I'm in the interview and uh, sitting there and, and, and look, I have no clue. I, no, no one said, hey, you should ask these questions or present. Like, I, I didn't even ask advice. I didn't know. I, I just went blind into these interviews. So I went into another blind interview with no idea. And, and so I'm sitting there and this guy's talking to me and asking me questions and I, I, I can't remember what he asked or I don't remember what I asked him. Uh, asked, not asked. So, so I'm, I'm, we're in this interview and, and as, as we're talking, then suddenly his phone rings. You know, in the days where the phone used to sit on the, on the desk, one of those with a big cord on it. Anyway, the phone rings and... And, and I'm thinking, oh, he's not going to pick it up. This is an interview. Like, how unprofessional. But he picks the phone up, and it's obviously someone who he knows because he's saying they're having a bit of chit-chat, and you know, they, they obviously know each other. And, and as they're talking, and then, then he says to the, to the person on the other end of the line, he says, I think I've got the, 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 the person for you. I've got the right person for your job sitting in front of me right now. And I'm like, there's no one else in there except for me. And, and, he said, and, and so then he, he hangs up the phone and he says, I can't believe this. He goes, you've got two jobs to choose from. Uh, so, so this guy who just rang is looking for an apprentice as well. And so um, you've got two. You came looking for, for, for one interview, but now you've, you've got two cho- choices. And, and what I believe is so amazing is, is in a recession, when everyone says you can't get a job, God offers me two. And, and the other thing that happens is I believe in that first instance, God is saying to some angels, hey, get down there, make that interview not happen today. It, delay it for two weeks because God, Rob's got to be in that office on this day two weeks before this guy's ready to ring. And, and so God's saying, hey, angels, delay that interview. And so sometimes we have these times in our lives of waiting, of delay, of, of things where we think, well, why is this happening or why is this taking so long? And it's so that God can position us in the right place for his plan to take place. Let's give the Lord a hand for that kind of thing happening. See, following Jesus, every wait has a reason. Every wait in your life has a reason when you're following Jesus. So I want us to look at some some important factors today. When Israel left Egypt, uh, on a promise, they waited 40 years for its fulfillment. That's a long wait. 
They waited for the promise while God was preparing a faithful generation spiritually mature enough to take the promised land. And we're going to look at that. There's a few key points I want us to look at with them today. Um, but uh, the entire book of Exodus, the, the entire book of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, how's that from memory? It's very rare for me. All those books are talking about the waiting in the wilderness and what God's doing in the nation of Israel. So in the wilderness is Israel's waiting. So here's a few factors that are really, really key for us to see this morning. In the wilderness, Israel's waiting. There was a separation that took place, a separation from Egypt, which represents slavery, which represents sin, which represents being uh, uh, dominated and, and controlled by, by the enemy. So, so there was a separation. So God, in the waiting season, God took Israel out of Egypt, the very first yeah, the very first installment of their journey was separating from Egypt. And God wants to go through your life sometimes and wants to separate you from, from relationships and people and situations that are going to keep you dominated and controlled. He wants you to be free. Good to see you, James. Stuck in. So the next thing we see is a season of preparation. A preparation for the priesthood. They never, there weren't priests before. There wasn't a priesthood in Israel until the, the waiting in the wilderness. And so there's a preparation of the priesthood. And so in all those books, uh, Numbers, Leviticus, all those, God is, is giving the instructions to Moses to prepare a priesthood so that they could have sacrifices, so that they could um, uh, deal with uh, the issues of life in a godly way. They didn't have that before. So there was, a, there was a separation, a preparation for the priesthood and then a dedication of the tabernacle. And all these things happened in the waiting years in the wilderness. The tabernacle represents the house of God. They, they built this huge big tent where they could bring their sacrifices, where they could worship the Lord, where they could, um, a place where the priests could do the ministry. And so all these things happened in their waiting in the wilderness, separation, Preparation and dedication. They happen in the waiting years in the wilderness. 40 years. God has a purpose in your wilderness waiting times. Not good English, but that's okay. Talk to those who've ever sensed a call to the ministry. Even when they've had clear prophecies and confirmations from the word of God. They'll tell you of the seasons, the process, the challenges and the triumphs from the promise or the prophecy to its delivery, to its fulfillment. There's always a season of waiting. There's a journey, a process. Because in that season, in that process, in your waiting time, God is preparing and positioning and delivering things into your life so that you can fulfill all that God wants you to. He's preparing you. He's developing you. Never get, never get uh, um, sidetracked in the waiting. Many do. <clears throat> James 1 verse 12 says God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterward, they'll receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. I want to encourage you to, to see the crown of life. See the crown of life that God has promised you. I want to give you a translation of that scripture. Those who wait will get what God has promised. Go, those who wait get 
what God promises. So when you sense there's a call of God upon you, trust Jesus in your waiting. I want us to look at Elisha this morning. He's probably the key part of our scripture today is Elisha. He's best described as a servant who waited. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 to 13. I'm going to read it today from, from the physical Bible here today. The, the, what is it? New American Standard. You can't do that with an iPad. You'll break it. This is unbreakable. But I don't like reading from the Bible. I stopped doing this because I can't see. And I have to wear glasses and then I have to... So if I see this, I can't see you. So that's my reason. I, I, I don't use this much because I can't see you. <clears throat> Let me read out to you. It's a bit of scripture. But it says this. And it came about when the Lord was about to take Elijah, he's the old prophet, Elijah, and he's going to take him by a whirlwind to heaven, that Elijah went with Elisha. Why did God choose such similar names in this story? I don't know. But Elijah is the old prophet, Elisha, the new prophet. So, um, so uh, when this was about to happen, Elisha, uh, Elisha went with Elijah from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here please, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then the sons of the prophet, prophets who were at Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he said, yes, I know, be still. That was in that be still, if you translate that to modern languages, shut up. He says, yes, I know, shut up. And Elijah said to him, Elisha, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they came to Jericho. And the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho approached Elisha and said to him, Do you know that the Lord will take away your master from over you today? And he answered, Yes, I know. Be still. Then Elijah said to him, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Now 50 men of the sons of the prophets went and stood opposite them at a distance. And while the two of them stood by, uh, stood by the Jordan, and Elijah took his mantle and folded it together and struck the waters. And they were divided here and there so that the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Now it came about when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, Ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. <clears throat> and Elisha said, Please let a double portion of your spirit be upon me. And he said, You have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall, be so, uh, it, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it came about as they were going along and talking that behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire which separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind to heaven. And Elisha saw it and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and returned and stood by the bank of the river Jordan. That's one of my, you know, my most favorite stories from the Bible, that whole thing of Elijah and Elisha. But we see of Elisha that he didn't give up in the waiting season. He stayed with Elijah. So... Um, I want us to look at some of the places that 
that they were at and where they went and you know, point out some things about those places that will be relevant in our lives. First, Gilgal. It represents uh, the weight while we're dealing, while God is dealing with our fleshly, carnal nature, our desires, our, our, our feelings and our wants and all that kind of thing that, that are all of our natural instinct. See, at Gilgal, it's where Joshua circumcised um, the men of Israel before they could enter the promised land. Uh, Joshua 5, verse 2 to 4, we read that story. Um, it, it says there in Joshua 2 that, that Joshua circumcised a whole generation of men before they could take the promised land because they had neglected to deal with the flesh, the, the covenant that God had given the nation of Israel, something that the fathers should have done to their children, Joshua had to do. I think that's a pretty nasty kind of a, a job. Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm the leader of Israel. I get to circumcise you all. Uh, yay. <clears throat> so Gilgal talks about, um, in the literal translation, it means that they rolled away the reproach. They, it's where the, 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 the uh, circumcision took place that reinforced or reintroduced the covenant between God and Abraham and the people of Israel. So Gilgal. Gilgal, then they go to Bethel. Bethel represents the house of God. It's, it's that the, the waiting in the presence of the Lord, waiting in the house of God. I'll tell you something, being Christian is not that hard. Being successful spiritually is not that hard to achieve. doesn't matter what you did Saturday night, be in church. doesn't matter what happened to you on Tuesday, be in the house of God. Get yourself to church, get yourself in worship. Uh, bring yourself into the presence of the Holy Spirit and, and you'll find that, that by ex- exposure in that environment, God begins to do a work in your heart and begins to, to develop things in you, just like the people of Israel in their waiting. So, so Gilgal to Bethel are waiting. In between is the waiting. And, and, and here we have Elisha's being told by Elijah, just stay here. Stay at Gilgal. Stay at Bethel. And he's saying, no, 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 I'm not staying here. I'm going with you. And we need to have that kind of attitude and determination in our spirits that we're not going to stop in the point of waiting. Next place they go is Jericho. Uh, And now Jericho represents uh, waiting for the Lord's victory. Joshua chapter 6, we find the the story of, of the walls of Jericho. You all learnt this in Sunday school. They marched around Jericho seven times. Then on the seventh day, they marched around seven, seven times uh, again, uh, once a day, every day. Then on the seventh day, they ran around seven times and they blew the trumpets and the walls all fell down. There was a victory that came from God. And the Jericho represents the times in our life where we couldn't do it on our own. We needed a supernatural intervention that came by the, the Spirit of God that tore walls down that, that were in our way. It was a first point. Perhaps in my life, I'm not exactly sure, but maybe that interview process for me was like a Jericho moment. And I I must say, I wasn't a a very strong Christian. I wasn't hardly a believer. I kind of went to a youth group and and, uh, would go along to this youth group on Friday nights and they'd teach us the the Word of God and and pray and things like that. And I kind of was getting some some sort of mosaic concepts of, of who Jesus was. But, but I think that was my Jericho moment where I began to say, hey, I can trust God because God can position me in ways that, that, that I can be blessed. 
And God wants to do that in your life. Jesus wants to walk with you. So <clears throat> at Jericho, that could have been the stop-off point for Elisha. He said, this will do, I'll, I'll just stay here. You go, Elijah, I'm staying where we are. Then they go from Jericho to Jordan. Jordan represents baptism to spiritual things. Joshua chapter 3, again, is where the people of Israel went through the Jordan. And, and it's described in the New Testament that the whole nation of Israel was baptized as they went through the, the river of the Jordan into the promised land. It was like a spiritual baptism that God brought them through to inherit the land. So Jordan represents a baptism to spiritual things. There's, there's, <clears throat> I think we, we need to uh, get a grasp in our life of, of spiritual concepts, of spiritual realities, and not just live in the, 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 what we see, feel, and touch and understand at that level, because God wants us to, to translate the, the spiritual into our natural life and live more powerful, more, uh, uh, more aware of what's happening around us in the spiritual dimension. So Jordan represents baptism. That, that's a dual baptism. I believe we, we ought to be baptized in water as a sign of our um, uh, faith in Jesus and, and what he's done. And also we need to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit at, at a spiritual level that gives us the, 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 um, the energy, the, the, the power to live this life in, in the best way that we can. And number five, the, the, the fifth place they go doesn't even have a name. It's a, it, it, there comes a point where Elijah says to Elisha, now, now what do you want me to do for you when I go? So he's like saying, I'll give you one wish. And imagine, uh, you know, Elisha says, I want a double portion of your spirit. I want a double. Imagine if Elisha had said, well, I'd really like your house. Can I have the Mercedes? Uh, uh, you know, asking for, for something in the, the, the base level in the natural. Uh, but, but Elisha had, had enough of the, the, the desire spiritually to say, I want a double portion of the spirit that is upon you. Will that be upon me? And he says, that it'll, it'll happen if you see me when I go. That's the next point they're at. If you see me when I'm taken from you. That's an unknown distance uh, an unknown destination. And what that represents is going a little further when you don't even know where you're going, where you don't even know what, what this is going to look like. You don't even know where. Faithful until God took Elijah away from him and he, and he, and he stays on the journey. So each one of those points in between is stepping. In between is, is uh, waiting. So you think, well, we know we're going, to, we're going from Bethel to Jericho and we think, well, what's in between? Waiting, nothing much happening, I'm just stepping, I'm just putting one foot in front of the other, I'm just walking, I'm just going on a journey, I'm just going on the promise of God that God has got a reason for all this. So Elijah, Elisha was faithful to Elijah all along the way. As we see, there's five stages of waiting at every stage Elisha was given the opportunity to stay. He says, I'm going to continue. But in between, to each place, there's waiting. Elisha kept up with Elijah between each place until the mantle fell to him. See, every wait in your life has a purpose. 
So you might be thinking, I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm, I'm hurt, I'm, I'm misunderstood. And, and it seems like, uh, you know, I, I see what God wants to do. I get some sparks of inspiration. I get some flashes of, uh, 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 of uh, you know, divine ideas in my mind. I know what God wants me to do. But you know something, it's like I got that, that, that vision, but now all I do is wait. There is, a, there is a reason in the waiting from God. 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, just the very first part of it, says love is patient and kind. That whole thing talks about, about love, but <clears throat> love is patient. See, the first element of love is it's able to wait. Love is able to wait. And so when Jesus speaks of promise, when you receive a prophecy, when something comes alive in you that, that's a word from God, maybe when you're reading your Bible in your quiet time, in church, in worship, somewhere or other, God begins to speak to you and gives you a promise. See, it could take a day or it could take a decade. But don't bail. Don't pull the parachute while in the waiting. See, the test of love is the waiting be faithful in the waiting because you will have to wait. And, and, and there'll be things spoken over your life. And I know, I don't, don't have to put your hands up. I know that a lot of people in this room would have had prophecies spoken over your life somewhere along the line. And you've had that, you know, someone has said, hey, you over there with the, the really bright yellow wind cheater? That's what you wear when you want the prophecy in church. Wear the brightest possible color. Wear a hat with a light on it. <clears throat> and you go, yeah, well, wow, that's so amazing. It's like, who, that, it's like they're talking for somebody else. But that prophecy will be connected to a season of waiting. And we've got to be faithful. We've got to have a love for the, for, for the Savior, for the Lord, that will carry us through the waiting season. So we don't give up. Because love is patient. And we'll wait for that. So don't bail. Don't jump for the parachute. See, I read a story recently it was, it was this week and I didn't take much notice of it I kind of read it real quick and I wish I had have kept more of the detail and then as I was getting my message ready I thought where's that story I don't know even where I read it but it was a, a story from World War II I love World War II stories um, and and I'll, I'll give it to you to the best of my memory I can't remember the names of the people involved but um, there was a, a gunner in a in a bomber over um, you know the English Channel and uh the aircraft took heavy fire and was badly damaged. <clears throat> so he crawled out of the, 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 the pod, whatever it is that he's in, it was sort of in the middle of the, 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 the aeroplane. He climbs out and the thing's all on fire and um, you know, there's, the fuel lines are ruptured and they're, they're all burning. And some of the other crew uh, are out there too and, and they can't communicate to the pilots. That, that's been cut off, it's disconnected. Um, but the plane is still flying. And so the other crew, about three of them from memory, bailed. They, they, they jumped out over the English Channel and it says they were never heard of or seen ever again. So they, they bailed out of the, out of the plane and, and drowned. Uh, <clears throat> something. Never saw them again. But then this particular guy, it says he, he got the fire extinguisher and started to fight the flames and and used up every single fire extinguisher that he could get his hands on to fight the flames. Eventually, that, that aircraft made it all the way back to England and landed safely, and, and he was taken out of the plane, he was, he was burned. But it says that about seven days later, he was flying missions again. 
And we need to have some people like that. You want to be a person like that, who despite the flames, despite coming under fire, is able to fight the flames and stay on board. See, because I I think if, if it wasn't for his one act of bravery, that whole plane would have gone down in flames. When everyone else was bailing out the window, he stayed on board. See, the waiting may include enemy fire. That's not your cue to bail out. I want to encourage you, do whatever it takes to keep flying. And unfortunately, we see in church life, because church is a spiritual place. And there are, there are seasons and times where your, where your ministry, where your church, where the department you're in will come under fire. We'll start getting bombed. We'll start getting bullets all the way through it. And, and, and the whole fuselage might, might be shot to pieces. And you've got a choice to make. Am I going to bail out the window and take my chance or am I going to fight the flames and keep this thing flying? God is looking for heroes in this generation that will say, we're under fire. We're in the war but we're not going to bail out. We're not searching for the parachute when we should be fighting the fire. See, <clears throat> waiting is a gift and a discipline that Jesus blesses you through. So Isaiah 40 verse 31 says, Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. It says, those who wait on the Lord will keep flying. It's a promise from God. You might get shot at, you might get bombed, you might, might have some bullets ripped through where you are, but you know something? You wait on the Lord, it says you will keep flying. They'll run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Those who wait upon the Lord, basically those who take the time it takes to inherit the, the prophecy, the promise from God. It says... It's not those who rush, those who scheme, those who just can't wait. I remember at one stage in my life, uh, I read a book on, on preaching because you know, I, I was struggling as a preacher. I mean, literally, if, if you were to analyse it, if you, if you gave my preaching to, to Bible college and analyse it, it would hardly rate. And so I was... I was trying to learn how to be a preacher and I, I wasn't comfortable with that at all. And, uh, and I was going through a process of, of like, I, I needed to learn. I needed to learn fast. So I bought a few books on preaching and public speaking. And, and one of the books that, that, that I read this part, of, it was like seared into my mind because I was so offended because it said it takes 20 years to, to make a preacher. Words to that effect. And I thought, I haven't got 20 years. I need it now. And then before I burnt the book, I'm thinking to myself, surely there's a shortcut somewhere. I didn't buy your stupid book to tell me to wait 20 years. I wanted to read a book for instant results, to give me the answers, to show me how to do it, to teach me some stuff. But see, we search for instant results spiritually. And that's like in a spiritual context, a cup of two-minute noodles. You might be thinking, I, I need an answer from God. I, I, I want to go on the journey. I want to be over there, and I want to be there now. And so we say, well, okay, God, I just use some boiling water, put it in this. I get, my, I get what I need to satisfy right now, my cup of noodles that only takes two minutes. 
But waiting gives you a banquet with lobster and steak and fancy foods of all kinds. But, but they take preparation. They take time. You have to wait. But I'll tell you something. Would you rather wait an hour or two minutes? You got the noodles or you got the banquet? I'll take the banquet every day. I'd rather wait. See, every wait has a reason. And we need to trust the process of Jesus working in us through the waiting. We don't need to grab the parachute. We don't need to say, hey, why is everything going on? Everyone else is bailing out the window. You be the one who stays. You be the one who kept flying. See, in the waiting, there is a sifting and there's a separating. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12 says, He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he'll clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. See, God separates the wheat from the chaff and the chaff from the wheat. That operation starts with how we choose to live and who we choose to live for. Starts now. See, Jesus, give Jesus the waiting years of your life. Separate the chaff from the wheat. What's eternal from what's not. I want us to get a perspective of spiritual elements of our life that, that, that really are important. We can't ignore those and say, well, uh, you know, I'll, I'll get to it one day. We need to start today allowing the, the, the spiritual calling of God, the ministry call upon us to be taken, separating the chaff of our life from the, the valuable wheat, the gold from the dross. Can I invite the musicians to join me now, please? <clears throat> See, when, when a promise is from God, every wait has a reason. I want to do a disclaimer to Dave oh, that, that, that goes back to all, all, all in this series on the waiting. Because I know there's a lot of people who, who have stopped in their Christian journey at the wrong places. So don't stop at green lights and don't stop at open doors. Between the waiting, there has to be a stepping. Elisha shows us that between each point of waiting, there was a stepping. There was a stepping forward. And I know there are some here today and you've been cornered by waiting. There are times to wait and there are times to get stepping. And I think sometimes we, we, we've stopped, maybe for a good reason, because there, there was a, a closed door, because there was a red light. But the Holy Spirit is speaking to some people today, hey, it's time to get going again. Because what can happen is in, in the waiting season, we can think, hey, this is pretty comfortable here. I started a business. I got married. Had a few kids. Got some fun toys. This series of, this season of waiting was pretty nice. And so we... We decide that we're just going to stop there and the light turns green, the door opens, but we aren't going anywhere. I want to encourage you today to start stepping again. The light is green, the door is open, the way is go right now that God is calling you into. See, waiting can, can become wrong when it becomes an excuse not to move. So we don't want to 
We don't, I, I should say this, we don't have to wait for things that God has already spoken. There are so many times where, where we complicate things. We'll get to this in a sec. But so often, we don't have an understanding of, of the house of God the way we ought to. So there's a whole lot of people who, who are waiting for God to give them a word. You, don't, you just need to start stepping. Start stepping into the ministry. Start stepping into the call of God. Start stepping into serving others. When you have an opportunity, you don't have to say, oh, I just need to pray about that. If you're not doing anything, just say that's an opportunity from God. Here's my chance to change someone's life. Here's my chance to make a difference. I'll start with that and see what God does. That's not a, you know, stop waiting at green lights. You don't have to wait for what God has already spoken. But you do have to be deliberate to find it. I want to give you three quick rules. Rules of thumb that will help you hear the word of God and, and start stepping. Number one, Jesus doesn't want you paralyzed at a point in life while you wait for direction. So this is what it says, Matthew 7, 7. He says, ask and keep on asking. So if you're at that point where you've been waiting a long time, you think, well, I got so comfortable, I got paralyzed, I'm stuck at this point and I can't go forwards, I can't go back. I'm just in limbo here says ask and keep on asking Jesus doesn't want you paralyzed at that point he wants to get you walking again number two don't over spiritualize simple decisions and sometimes we over complicate we add complexity to what is simple Psalm 33 verse 4 says for the word of the Lord holds true and we can trust everything he does so we don't have to say, well, God, what's your will for my life? I don't really know. Should I, should, should I serve on the welcome team? Should I help in kids' church? Or, or should I not? It's simple. God wants to bless it. God wants to, 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 to work through you to change the lives. We never know. We, you'll never know whether this could change a, a church or change a whole region or change a nation. But you've got to start stepping. Don't overcomplicate what God wants to be simple in your life. Number three. You will find answers in what God has already spoken in His Word. Some people are searching for answers and they think, well, God hasn't spoken to me yet. God hasn't spoken to me yet. God, will you show me a word? Read your Bible. Make it a discipline and God will speak to you. I remember at one point with with a person about to make a major, major devastating life choice. I was quite open about it. But I'll tell you, if they had gone down that track, it would have completely, it's like going to the point of no return where you do so much damage you 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 will never get back to it physically and I remember having a conversation and saying listen I really think I just want to caution you that you're about to make a decision with long term consequences because of a temporary condition in your life I just want to put that to you encourage them they said oh but, but I've been waiting for God to speak. I said, God's already spoken. What do you, what do you want? The, the, the clouds to open and God to say, don't do it. He's already spoken. Start seeking God. You'll find answers in what God's already spoken in His Word. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your, your Word is a lamp for my feet, a light on my path. 
We've got to learn to walk in the light. Walk with the light, following Jesus. So can we stand together, please, today? Because I want us to respond. Two areas of response here today that we, that we can deal with. Number one, those who've been stopped too long at a point of waiting. You had to wait because that, that's how God works, but then you got comfortable there and you stopped there. Jesus wants to give you a tap on the shoulder and say, come on, it's time to step again. It's time to go. And number two, those who are waiting between the promise and the delivery. There's a promise and a delivery. So perhaps if we just close our eyes for privacy here today, but I, I do believe God does do something when we when we respond in a way to say Jesus yes I want prayer it can be very vulnerable but can also be very free and very empowering when we do it when we're honest with God those who, who today you've been stopped too long at a point of waiting and who knows why but you just think hey I didn't intend to I didn't mean to but I stopped along the way and now now I don't know why I, I, I just aren't going anymore it's like I've stopped at a red light. It's like I've stopped and there's there's a closed door. But but I'm here to tell you today, God says, hey, the, the light's been green for a long time and the door's been open for a long time. Time to start stepping again. That's you. You have to be really brave here today. No one looking around. Just say, please pray for me today. Because I feel like that's me. Just raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you today. Yes, I see that hand. Thank you. See those hands. Thank you. Let me pray. You've been very brave and I know God is going to honour that in your life today. Lord Jesus, I just pray. Lord, that we begin to see the green lights. That we may start moving again. Lord, I pray over these people who have been so brave to raise their hands. Lord, we trust you. Lord, I pray you be with them as they take a step today. That your word is a lamp to their path. That you do have a plan and a pathway and a way to take them. So, Lord, I pray that you comfort them today, encourage them today, help them to see the way in which they should go. Put the lamp on their feet in Jesus' name. Also, want to, amen. I also want to pray that you know that you are somewhere between the promise and the delivery, between the prophecy and its fulfillment. You're on a journey of the separation, the preparation, and the dedication today. Jesus wants to help you to see the story of the people of Israel in the wilderness is your story. Because God wants to bring a separation from those who aren't part of the, the ministry call on your life. He wants you to, to go through the, the preparation season where you, you prepare a, for for the ministry you prepare for the priesthood and then he wants you to go to that place of dedication where you dedicate yourself to the to the tabernacle of God the temple of God and you find your place and you, 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 you become productive so if that's you today let me pray for you you can raise your hand and just say Lord that's me I've been in that place of waiting I want to move forward thank you for those hands that are raised being very brave. So Lord Jesus, we just pray today for those on the journey of separation, preparation and dedication. Lord, I pray that you begin to clarify 
your reason, clarify your purpose. Lord, I pray for a tenacity among, among us in the hearts of men and women here today that say, I'm not going looking for the parachute. I'm not jumping out. I'm going to fight the fire. I'm going to stay on board. I'm going to make a difference and keep this thing flying. So Lord, I just pray that in Jesus' name, put a deposit of faith, a deposit of, of, of strength and tenacity upon your people here today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Lord, I just want to pray over us all today that we can complete the journey that, Lord, that the Lord gives us. That there may be strength in the church. We aren't going to bail out. Lord, we dedicate ourselves again to you. Complete the work in our waiting season. And Lord, we trust you that every wait has a reason. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. I've had a great time uh, bringing you this series. And I really know that it can change your life. If you need to, go back over the, the, other, the other sessions, session one to five. And um, whatever you're waiting for, Jesus has a reason in your waiting season. So I want to encourage you, if you're, if, you're, if you're waiting for something in business, if you're waiting for something in your marriage, if you're waiting for something in a relationship, uh, or, or you're waiting for something financial, a breakthrough or whatever, don't fail in the process. Stay on board, fight the fires, and let's just see what God will do.